A chant of my gurus is one that I love to sing. Joy, 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 ever new joy, 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 that joy. I bow to, it's what we all seek. I bow to it in you. And you may look at yourself in the mirror or just start introspect and say, where is that joy this fellow keeps talking about? Well, it is your own nature. If you could just remove all the things that keep you from feeling it, which are basically your desires and your attachments. When you have a desire, you think, I, want, I must have this before I can be happy. If you could get rid of that desire, you could be happy right now. Joy is our own nature. We don't have to work to achieve it. We don't have to somehow define it carefully. People say, well, what do you mean by joy? I just say meditate and you'll know. As Patanjali said, to find this, this enlightenment is a process of smriti, of remembering. This is who and what you are. Now, once you have that consciousness, life itself is a lot of fun. And when my guru was a boy, he also played pranks in a spirit of joy. There's one that uh, I've always loved. He told us this story once, that during a time when he was sort of reflecting on his boyhood and on his past, and... Uh, He said, once as a boy during meditation, I entered a state of ecstasy. My breathing and heartbeat were stilled. Then I decided to play a little prank. Well, after all, I was only a boy. When people came in, they saw me lying there, apparently lifeless. Oh, what a commotion. What wails, what lamentation. All the family stood around saying how highly they had thought of me. And then an old faithful servant of the family, whom we used to call Maid Ma, cried loudly, Ah, ah, now I won't have anyone to fight with anymore. That was too much for me. I couldn't contain myself any longer. Oh, yes, you will, I cried. You, she shouted angrily. I knew you were only fooling. She picked up a broom and flung it at me. Was it naughty of me? Well... I must say it was great fun. I myself have since thought of a piece of advice that the great woman, Saint Ananda Moima, once gave to a visitor. Tell your child to be good, but not too good. The image of a of solemnly pious child saints is a bit cloying, surely. After all, it takes great energy to find God. The popular description of the Master of Galilee is Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, could not possibly be applied to anyone of true spiritual fervor. Certainly from the legends one reads about the child Jesus, the first words that spring to mind to describe him are neither gentle nor mild. The word one thinks of is powerful. And this is what you find in the lives of all saints. Some of them are very mild in the sense of gentle, 
in the sense of harmonious, in the sense always of respectful of other people. But at the same time, there is that absolute power that uh, all masters have. Still, we shouldn't forget that the spiritual path is fun. And it's lovely to see the lives of child saints especially because they can afford to be a little bit more merry in their behavior than when they have a lot of people sort of writing down their priceless gems of wisdom and so on. But uh, Master all his life had some of that quality. Like one time when the children in the ashram, because some of the members came with children, and one time the children were there meditating, but of course they weren't. They were sort of sitting there with their eyes closed, but squirming as children would. And uh, they would feel that something hit them in the neck and just rigidly sit there and try to continue their meditation. Then it happened again. Finally, they opened their eyes and they found that Master was blowing little spitballs at them. Well, he wouldn't have done it if he'd been going deep into meditation, but he was having fun. And it was really delightful to be around him because he could have a sense of fun. You know, when I came to him, I tended to be a bit uh, austere in the sense of a little too intellectual. And he kept trying to break me of this habit. One time out at his desert, desert retreat, he had somebody bring him a little paper bag. Apparently he'd bought a couple of things and he wanted to show them to us. Then he asked someone to turn out the lights. And all of a sudden, first I heard this crinkling bag, and then all of a sudden, bzz, 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 and we could see sparks coming out of a toy gun. And he, he uh, uh, turned the lights on, somebody turned them on for him, and he looked at me, he said, what do you think of that, Walter? I was still trying to get over my surprise, but I said, well, it's fine, sir. And uh, he said, then, suffer little children to come unto me. This is a quotation from the Bible. For of such is the kingdom of God. And then he pulled out of his bag another little toy. It was a pistol, which when you shot it, a, parachute, a piece of cloth rose in the air, then opened up into a parachute and descended. We watched it gravely as it descended to the floor. It was, it was fun to see that he could have fun like a child, but he, didn't, he was all ages and he could relate to people of all ages, just as one of them. It's very good for us, and he helped me to learn this, not to have any false images of what we should be and what other people should be, that to enjoy everything with innocent pleasure, is, is that's a good thing. When he wanted to be serious, he could be absolutely serious. Nobody could shake him out of that. No joke, no laughter, no trying to kid him out of it. No, if he was serious, he was completely focused on that state of consciousness. But the childlike quality that he had as a child, he maintained all his life. You couldn't really say he belonged to any age. In fact, he would say that I am ageless. I have no age, I am eternal. This, in fact, he said to us also, do set us an example. Don't identify yourself with an age. So many people I see become, well, their, their self-definition 
is, whatever age they are, sex, country, everything, they become set in that, and sooner or later they become what he called psychological antiques. He used to say that people like that, when they die, the angels say, oh, here comes another antique, better send him back to earth. We need these experiences of new lives to help give us a certain freshness to see things in new ways. But too many people just are determined, this is how I say it. It's sort of like Martin Luther when he rebelled against the Catholic Church and he posted these declarations on the church door. And he said, and here I stand and will not move. Well, to find God, you've got to have a flexible mind. For one thing, you've got to become infinite, and that cannot come from being rigid. But morality has to be understood also as a means of um, helping you to find the happiness you want. Morality is not a puritanic face looking at you and saying, tut, tut. It's not people disapproving. It's not you disapproving of others. Morality is not a, a funeral. Living for God, as my guru used to say, is the funeral of all sorrows. We have to recognize that the purpose of even moral living is because when you live rightly, you are happy. When you don't live rightly, you are not happy. It's just that simple. To give you an example, when you are kind to people, you release your ego. There's always this truth in life that when the ego can be expanded, it knows happiness. It finds more happiness and greater power, greater wisdom, greater possessions, greater everything. But it's always just because the ego seeks self-expansion into the infinite self. Something deep within us wants to reclaim our own infinity. In our true self, we are not limited in this body. We are that infinite one. Now, by contrast, any time you affirm your ego in a taking way, in a small way, uh, you are the one who suffers. Any kind of loss, any kind of shrinking of consciousness or identity causes suffering. And so, when you think that you're gaining, for example, by taking from other people or by stealing from other people or uh, in any way just feeding your own ego, you don't find happiness. You get the things and you don't find you're happy. You don't see anybody in this world who lives for himself and lives to gain from others in order to gain for himself. You don't find ever that such people are happy. You can see their darkness and their unhappiness written in the lines of their face. But on the other hand, those people who are sweetly innocent in wanting to give, to expand, wanting to forget themselves, you see amazingly that they're always happy and somehow they always seem young. You can be 80 or 90 and there's still a youth in your attitude toward others. You're willing to learn new things. You're willing to do new things. I remember a Texas rancher I met on a train in, in Europe once. <coughs> the typical image of a Texas rancher is somebody who's sort of, oh, I've got what I want kind of attitude. 
And I rather expected this from him. I was so charmed when I heard him say, I feel just like a kid over here with this wonderful culture. There's so much to learn. Here he was at an age when most people become pompous. He was just being so delighted to be in this new environment and seeing the great things other people had done. You know, you can affirm your own importance and you can affirm your own position and your own knowledge and your own this, that, and the other thing. And it doesn't give you what you want. But this sweet, simple attitude of, oh, how wonderful it is to see other people and what they have accomplished and to share in that. It was really because of my mental expectations of him knowing that he was a rancher from Texas and having that mental image of the sort of self-importance of, of, of people of that sort. There's, it's wrong to have that kind of judgment. He was just the opposite. Very different from the Texan I had known as a child who was sort of always a cigar and always being important. He wasn't that at all. You will see that the more you cling to your own importance, the less you will feel in yourself and the more brittle you will feel because you always have to be protecting that importance. If, on the other hand, you um, understand that you don't really matter as an ego, you are a part of a very great reality. You are just a wave dancing up and down on the great ocean. How wonderful that dance is and what a joy it is to, to uh, go with it. Think of yourself as the ocean spray. It enjoys its moment, then it comes back, becomes water again, comes up again as spray, comes down again. All these changes that life goes through, you will find that you can enjoy them. My Guruji, when he went to a very rich and beautiful place called Radio City Music Hall in uh, New York, he said, well, I have paid my ticket of admission, so now I'm the owner. And he went around for a while enjoying his possession. And then when he'd enjoyed it for a while, then he decided he'd had enough. So he gave it back with thanks to the management and walked out a free man. You know, you can enjoy the world much more than if you think this is mine. I must protect it. I must own it. I must protect it from other people. Uh, I must protect it from breakage and all these you'll see that if you can enjoy the world as his, not yours, everything becomes beautiful. Then, even difficult times become beautiful too. Not something you court, but when they come, enjoy the variety. Enjoy the challenge. The secret of laughter, as in this song we will see, lies in the laughing, not in the quest for joy. It's a swallow winging on the wind. It's innocence in a boy. Don't feel that the more you own, the better you are, or the richer you are, the more fulfilled you are. Even if you have the duty of owning things, say that it belongs to God, and you will see that you feel free no matter where you are in life. Your freedom will come not from possessions, not from money. Your freedom will come from just laughing with God. The more you can rejoice in Him, the more you'll feel that He is always there, sustaining you through every experience. Through the sunny days, you know there's beauty also in rain. There's beauty in the thunder. 
There's beauty in so many things that people are afraid of in life. Just accept that life is light and darkness, day and night. It constantly changes. But if you can be happy in yourself, nothing will ever touch you. Joy to you. What is love? Is it only us? Or does love whisper in the flowers? flowers. Surely we children of this world could not love our own. Joy, is it just a dream, or does joy laugh in every stream? Are the clouds mindless after all, or is joy nature's theme? dead, so men say, can't they see all life's his play, not a church binds him as its own, not a creed makes him fully known, foolish we Is love? Is it love?